Amen. Thank you all so much. Well, that was a blessing, wasn't it? Thank you all. That was good. Praise the Lord. How many of you brought your Bible? Will you hold up the Word of God all over the building tonight? I want to ask you to join me, if you will, back in the book of Daniel, the Old Testament tonight, chapter number 6. The book of Daniel, chapter 6 in the Old Testament. I have an old Schofield Bible. If you have one, that's page number 908. And I'd like to read some verses here in this chapter and then ask you to leave your Bibles open for just a minute and to follow me along as we kind of work through some of this Scripture here together this evening. Daniel, chapter number 6. And while you're finding that, I want to encourage you to be here on Tuesday night of this week for our uh, prayer meeting service on Tuesday. And I hope you won't forget that. Show up here Tuesday night at 7. And we're going to have some good preaching, some good singing, and it'll be a good service, a good way to end this year. And then just by way of a bit of an update, we did receive the money, the down payment from the Christian school. That money's already been taken. It's been put in the bank. And uh, so we're now just awaiting that March 31st. And I really feel like in my spirit, uh, with all my heart, these folks are not going to be like the other crowd. I think they're going to pay us off on March the 31st, if not beforehand. So if you'd make that a matter of prayer. And then we've really got to pray going forward from that day about what the Lord will have for us next. And so I hope you'll help me pray about all that as we move forward into those days. And of course, and uh, I really feel like, as I said, they're going to pay us by that time. And we just got to seek God's will about, uh, you know, what the Lord would have us to do from that point forward, and I hope you'll make that a matter of prayer, all right? Look at Daniel chapter 6 tonight. I want to begin reading with verse number 1, and I want to kind of bring, if I may, I just want to kind of bring the 100-year celebration to a closing point tonight, all right? From this text, if you'll bear with me for just a moment, look at chapter 6, verse number 1. It pleased Darius. Now, Darius, not Darius Collins, but Darius is the king of Persia, and the Persians have defeated the Babylonians. And we know that happened back in chapter 5, and it's really an amazing, how, amazing historical event how the Babylonians were defeated by the Persians in that night. And it's really, if you've ever read that in history, it's a fascinating story. So now the children of Israel that were formerly the servants, the slaves of the Babylonians, have now become the servants and the slaves of the Persians. So we've got a kind of a shift now of ownership of these people. So look again at verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Now, if I could just stop and say Persia is reigning over the entire world right now. And Darius realizes, King Darius realizes that it's too big of a job for one man to handle, so he delegates the, uh, the rulership of this, this Persian empire out to 120 different princes, I guess maybe we'd say presidents in our day, to help him oversee the whole kingdom, verse 2. And over these president, over these three presidents, so now he's got 120 presidents, now he puts uh, three men that are head over these 120 presidents who are helping him to rule over the Persian empire, verse 2. Over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first. So Daniel now is the first of these three. So I guess maybe we could say it like this. There's Darius, King Darius, right under him is Daniel. Are you with me on that? So now read verse 2. The Bible said over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first that the princes might give accounts unto them and the king should have no damage. So they're helping him rule over the empire. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. 
So here's God elevating Daniel at this point. Look at verse 4. Then the, uh, the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Boy, that that might be true about our lives. Amen. I mean that people may examine us, they may watch us, look at us, and find no fault in us. Now, of course, we know we don't live above sin, do we? We know that we don't live above sin, do we? But we can live above reproach, can't we? And so Daniel was living above reproach. Nobody could point an accusing finger at old Daniel about any fault or error in his life. Look at verse 5. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. If we're going to find something wrong with this guy, we're going to, have to find something wrong with him concerning uh, what God says. Look at verse 6. Then these, uh, then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the means of the Persians, which altereth not. So when they signed a law, the only way that could reverse that law would be to make another law. So the Bible said that they signed that law. Verse 9, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. And when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did. Now, I want you to say this last word with me. Verse 10, as he did. Say it with me now, aforetime. Now, to me, that's the whole story aforetime. So I want to preach tonight on this subject. Let's don't change. Let's don't change. Don't change. Let's pray. Father, bless your word tonight. I pray and speak to our hearts from this text uh, tonight. And God, encourage our hearts as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you were to ask most people that maybe don't have a good knowledge of the Bible to, uh, to give you some of the more prominent Bible stories that, that they, that they uh, have, may find in the Bible, I'm sure some of these would be in that answer. Probably one of the first ones they would talk about would be Adam and Eve, and they would talk about that story as being a prominent story in the Bible. Following right on the heels of that would probably be Noah and the ark. That's one of the more well-known stories of the Bible. A and then they would probably talk about Joshua and Jericho and the walls that came falling down. Without doubt, they'd probably talk about David and his fight with Goliath. Then they'd probably talk about the Hebrew boys that were thrown into the fiery furnace. But right up there with all of those popular, prominent stories from the Bible would have to be the one that our text deals with tonight, and that's Daniel being thrown into the lion's den. By the way, it is a great story. Daniel is thrown into this pit that's inhabited by these hungry, these agitated lions, and the Bible said that he spends a whole night with them and miraculously he lives to tell about it. 
I mean, buddy, he's thrown in there, stays the whole night, and walks out the other day unscathed, unscratched by these hungry, agitated lions. Now, if you want to find out how hungry they are in this same text, if you'll look on down in this same text, the Bible tells us, and I think it's down in verse 24, that these men who are ultimately the cause of Daniel being thrown into the pit, when Daniel survives the pit, these men by the king are then thrown into the pit. And according to verse 24, before they ever could come to the bottom of the pit, the lions attacked them and tore them to shreds. So really, the fact that Daniel survived a night in the lion's den is a real, it is a real miracle. It's a great Bible story. But what I'm interested in tonight is really the story within the story. You see, the whole reason that Daniel was thrown into that pit and the whole reason that God gave the lions the lockjaw and he, and, he, and he survived that night in that pit with those ferocious lions is because he wouldn't change. That's right. The whole reason this happened to Daniel is because Daniel said, all right, but I'm not changing. Now, if you understand the verses that I've read, a law has been signed by the king and decreed that nobody for a month long could pray to any god or any other person for 30 days, a period of 30 days. Years ago, as I understand it, there used to be a program that came on TV that was called Queen for a Day. And they would pick just, from my understanding, they'd just pick the average woman, housewife, whatever, and they would make her a queen for a day. Well, according to our text, what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to make the king a god for a month. That's right. They say, hey, we're going to sign a law here that nobody can pray for 30 days except they pray unto thee, O king. And then, of course, the Bible said that if they prayed to any other god and it was found out, that they would be thrown into the midst of the den of lions. They said, hey, you've got to pray to the king if you're going to pray to anybody. But then we read in verse number 10, here's what Daniel thought about it. Look again at verse 10. The Bible said, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed. So Daniel knew that this law had become official. This decree had become a law in the land of Persia. That if you're going to pray for 30 days and you pray to any other god except unto the king then you are going to be cast into the den of lions. Now, can I say it like this? Daniel is faced with a choice. Is Daniel going to obey the laws of man and disobey the law of God, or will he follow the law of God and disobey the laws of man? You know, sometimes as a Christian, we kind of get into a situation like that. We get caught up in a situation like that because I think the Scripture is very clear as Christian citizens of the United States of America what our attitude is to be toward the law and toward the government. I believe that. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 13, if we can get that one up there, here's what the Bible said our attitude ought to be toward the law. And it says this, Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. So in other words, when man makes a law, we ought to submit, as God's people, submit to that law. But now we know that sometimes the law of man interferes with the law of God. And any time that the law of man interferes with the law of God, then we ought to do this right here. We ought to do this. Then Peter said unto the apostles and answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. 
Any time man's laws interferes with the laws of God and tries to get us to break the laws of God, then our, our responsibility as God's people is to obey the law of God and not to obey the law of man. But as long as that law does not obey or supersede the law of God, we're supposed to submit ourselves to the law of man. So what's happened in our text? The law of man has overridden the law of God. And Daniel said, be that as it may, that may be the case. But Daniel had a choice to make. Having knew, knew that the law had been signed, word has gotten around. It's probably on all the local news channels that this law has been signed. Daniel goes up to his house, throws open his windows, and starts praying again to the God of heaven. Now, the reason he's doing that is because he's doing it according to the Scripture. You see, God had told the nation of Israel, any time that you're uprooted and carried off this land into a foreign country, you are to open your windows and you're to pray toward the city of Jerusalem. Now, we know in our day that Muslims, is it five times a day, I think, they have a call to prayer. And what they do, no matter where they're at, they find out which direction that Mecca is in, and they face toward Mecca, and they pray toward Mecca to Muhammad, to Allah, to their God, Allah. Well, long before that ever happened, God told his people that they were to, when carried into a foreign land, they were to open their windows and pray toward the city of Jerusalem. Let me read it to you now. The Bible tells us back in Second Chronicles, I think it is, chapter 6, verse 38, the Bible said this, If they, the children of Israel, return unto thee, unto God, with all their heart and with all their soul, in the land of their captivity, whether they have, they have, uh, have carried them away uh, captive, and pray toward their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers, and toward the city, which thou hast chosen, and toward the house, which I have built for thy name. So in other words, Daniel's just obeying the laws of God. He had a choice to make. He was not going to obey the laws of man as long as those laws obeyed or disobeyed, broke the law of God. So he chooses to obey God. Can I have an amen? But what I want you to notice in our text is that last word again of verse 10. That's the word that kind of stuck into my mind because if you'll notice in our text, don't miss it. Daniel didn't wait till the law was signed and then start praying. He had already been praying long before the law had ever been signed. That's the meaning of the word aforetime. He found out they'd signed the law, didn't bother him. He'd already been praying. He just goes up and keeps right on doing what he has been doing. Daniel wasn't a rebel rouser. No, sir. He just wasn't looking for something to protest about. You know, in our culture, in our society today, I think some people just sit around waiting for something. Uh, to, to, go, to be against what they believe so they can go out and have rights and protests and marches against whatever has been enacted. But Daniel wasn't one of those. Daniel had a prayer of habit, a, a habit of prayer. A routine in his life was to pray and to talk to God. It was a custom. It was a manner of his life. And he wasn't about to change just because somebody else said it was wrong. He wasn't changing. You know, in our day, we sure do see a lot of people changing, don't we? And we see people changing. You ever see people that you used to know years ago and then you maybe make a, a, a renew, as the song said, the old acquaintance, and you find out they're not the same people that you used to know. You know, people change. Preachers are changing. 
I remember when I first started preaching, I was 18 years old when I first started preaching. I'm, of course, I'm from Mount Airy, but long about that time in Mount Airy, a revival broke out. It was in the uh, early 1980s, and churches started having revival about that time, and preachers started getting called to preach like crazy. I mean, in our own church, our own home church of Little Mountain, I guess maybe, I don't know, six or eight men answered a call to preach right about the same time. And then across town, you may see that little Southside Baptist church when you go up 52, little white cinder block church. That church was having revival, and I guarantee you they had 10 or 12 men in that church that was called to preach about that long, about that same time. Mount Airy was full of preachers. We preached it on the uh, front steps of the ABC store. Boy, it made people mad when we did that. We'd uh, preach on the front steps of the A. We'd preach in the in the in the parking lot of the of the mall. Get on the back of a truck. We'd get some singers and preach on the back of the mall and just tell people that's going to hell. And I mean, man, it really, I mean, it was upsetting to the city of Mount Airy. But the problem was revival was breaking out long about that time, and a bunch of us preachers got started all about the same time. But you know, some of those preachers that I started preaching with as an 18-year-old young man, some of those preachers have changed now. I mean, they've changed their Bible. They've changed their, their, they've changed their dress. They've changed their manners, their customs. They're not at all the same preachers that they were when we started out many, many years ago. You know, people change, and preachers change, and places change. I'm talking about churches. Churches change. You know why some of you are here at Woodland tonight? I'll tell you why. Because the place where you used to go changed. And you weren't at all for that kind of change. So you decided you were going to leave there, and God led you here to this place because <laughs> I'm not saying this arrogantly, and please don't think I am, but bless God, as long as I'm here, we ain't going to change. Amen. I mean, man, just because man says this is a new way, man says there's a better way or whatever, man, let's just don't quit. Let's, keep, let's just keep doing what we've always, just like Daniel, hey, let's just do what we've done before time. Hey, let's keep on preaching the Word of God. Hey, let's keep on singing the right kind. I enjoy music when they get through singing. I know what they've sung about. Amen. I like that song, I Know My Name Is Written There. What's wrong with that? Yeah, I tell you, they sang that song this morning. I can't remember that trio song that they sung, but it's, uh, what was the name of that song they sung? It was good. You're the best things ever had. I'm telling you, don't be mad at me, but them old boys has got something on them that these new boys ain't got. Can I have an amen? Can I tell you that good spiritual music always instructs us uh, as to the character and the ability of God? Amen. Buddy, when good music is played and good music is sung, it edifies the heart of the believer. Hey, let me tell you this, friend. It don't get you bebopping. It gets you, you know, kind of in the, in the mood and mode to worship God. That's the right kind of music. But man, have, have churches changed? I mean, we're seeing it right before our very eyes, but my message is, a hundred years for crying out loud, let's don't change. I mean, all year long, we've celebrated 100 years of ministry here in the city of Winston-Salem, and we've talked about how things used to be. I guess, you know that thing we showed on that big day, that six-minute, you know, history of Woodland? I bet I've watched that thing 45 times. Uh, you're going back to the old days, and then people have got up, and they've talked about how things used to be, and man, thank God for the history and the heritage. But why in the world would we want to change after God's been so good to our church? 
Hey, why don't we just keep doing what we've done aforetime? Hey, just because mankind says there's a better way, there's a different way. Hey, it's time for change. And if we don't change, we're going to be left behind. Hey, I'm telling you, there's a God still sitting in heaven that can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we may ask or think. Let's don't change. Amen. And then I put down three things in this text. Look with me, if you will. First of all, let's don't change. Number one, because of the customs of the population. Let's don't change because of the customs of the population. Now, you've got to understand, as, as far as the background of the Persian Empire, they were what we call polytheistic. What that means is they, they, they worship not just one god, they worship many gods. I mean, here a god, there a god, everywhere a god, a god. Old MacDonald. I mean, they had a God for everything in Persia. And I mean, they were polytheistic. They had all kind of gods. And yet, according to verse numbers, at verse number 7, all these people got together. The presidents and the princes and, and the counselors and the captains. I mean, they all, the population of that day, got together and said, Okay, we'd like to impose upon the people of this empire a law that says that if anybody prays except to you, king, that they'll be thrown into the midst of the den of lions. Hey, listen now, let me tell you something. They impose their beliefs upon the people of the land. Hey, are we not seeing a culture and a society today that's trying to impose its beliefs upon you and me? This world is looking at you and me and saying, Hey, you better change. I'm saying tonight, let's don't change. Amen. Hey, let's stay where we've always stayed. Hey, let's stand where we've always stayed. Let's say what we've always said. Amen. And let's don't change. Here's old Daniel. Here's the population of that day saying, hey, here's what we're going to do from now on. Here's the way things are going to be. And then here's old Daniel. And by the way, he's been brought to this place through no fault of his own. I mean, the truth of the matter is the nation of Israel had turned its back upon God. And because of that, not because of Daniel, but because of the people of the nation of Israel, God uprooted them off the land and carried them into the land of captivity. One moment Daniel is living in, familiar, in a familiar place around familiar people, and the next, all that's changed. You know, Daniel could have got bitter about the circumstances of his life. He could have got negative. He could have got critical. He could have got sour. He could have got cynical. And it would have been easy for me and you to understand if Daniel would have just caved in to the pressures and the persuasion of those of that society. You better know he was feeling the pressure. You better know he was feeling that, that, being, that, 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 that pressure being put upon him. And you know he was tempted to go with the flow. It's easier. Water always follows the path of least resistance. It would have been easier for him to say, hey, if that's, if that's the law, then that's the way it's going to be. But then we read that Daniel, just like he had done a time, tells me he didn't give in to the customs of the population. The population said, we're going to change. We're going to do this. Daniel said, I'm going to do like I've always done. I'm not going to change. You know, in our day we hear this, man, you need to just follow the majority. But can I tell you something? When you go through the Bible, what you're going to find is most of the time the majority was wrong. Most of the time in the Bible, the majority. Think about Noah's day. Only out of that, by the way, they said during Noah's time there was probably 
2 billion people on the earth at that time. 2 billion people, only 8 of them were saved. The majority was wrong. When the nation of Israel got to the promised land, the Kadesh Barnea, and they were getting ready to, you know, to go over to the promised land, Moses sent out 12 spies. Ten of them came back with a negative report. Only Joshua and Caleb, two of them said, hey, let's do it. Ten of them said, we can't do it. And because of that, God turned the whole nation around in the wilderness and two to three million people died because they followed the majority. Amen. What did Jesus say? Jesus said the majority of people in our world is going to hell. More people is going to hell than there are going to heaven. Jesus said there's a wide and a beaten gate, broad path that leads to destruction. And many, many there be that go in thereat. But straight is the gate, narrow is the way, Matthew 7, 13, that leadeth unto life. And few there be. Can I tell you something? In our world today, the majority is wrong. Just because everybody else is doing it don't mean you and I ought to follow along behind it. I used to try to play that with old my mama all the time. I'd tell my mom, I want to do this. She said, you're not going to do that. I said, but mama, everybody else is doing it. She said, no, they ain't. You ain't. I hated it when she said that. But I'm telling you something, ladies and gentlemen. This world is trying to put the pressure on us. You understand that, don't you? This world is trying to squeeze us into its mold. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. It says this, be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into the mold that it wants you to be. Hey, 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 don't let the world fashion you into its mold. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hey, the world's trying to squeeze us, and if we don't allow it to squeeze us, it tries to sneak into our lives. That's the reason in the book of James chapter 4 and verse number 4, the Bible said that being a friend of the world is enmity with God. Hey, our world is changing at breakneck speed, but I'm just trying to say tonight, man, don't change just because of the customs of the population. Don't change. Stay with the stuff as we've done aforetime. Don't change because of the customs of the populations. Number two, write this down. Don't change because of the commands of the politicians. I mean, you read this story, really, behind this whole thing is the politicians. Am I right? I mean, verse number, verse number, uh, verse number 3 and then verse number 5 and verse 6 and verse 7. I mean, really, it, this was all done by the politicians. They all got together and came up with this law. They took it to this emperor when he heard it, and then he assigned... His, put his stamp of approval upon it. It became official law in the land of Persia. But that didn't bother Daniel. Just because the politicians were for it, just because the government said this is the way that we're going to do, Daniel didn't change. He just kept doing what he had done aforetime. He did not change because of the commands of the politicians. Now, can I say this? Boy, we've seen our politicians change in recent days, haven't we? We've seen our politicians in America, our leaders in America, how they've embraced things that we ought not to embrace. That's right. We've seen our politicians embrace and sanction same-sex marriage over 
the overwhelming vote and the will of the majority of the American people. They did it. They run right over us, and they did what they wanted to do. They're slowly but surely in America uh, removing any remembrance of God from our history and our way of life. They're removing God from this, and they're removing God from that. Our nation and our leaders in America are taking our nation down a dangerous path, down a dangerous spiral away from the God that has made our nation to become what it has become. But hey, just because they're doing it don't mean I have to do it. Just because they're embracing it don't mean I'm going to embrace it. Hey, just because they put their stamp of approval upon it don't mean that we have to put our stamp of approval upon it. Just because they're removing God. You me tell you what the sad thing is about America. Not so much that our politicians are trying to remove God from our nation. It's because it, what's so sad is many of us are removing God from our lives. That's what's wrong in America. God's people have allowed the, the, the society that we live in to creep into our lives. And ladies and gentlemen, it's changing our mind about the way things should be. Amen. One drop of water won't wear a rock away, but many drops will. So they just keep dripping on us, keep dripping on us, keep pushing us down us. I mean, now we got... We got commercials just openly with men and men kissing on commercials and women and women embracing and kissing on commercials. And little by little, they're, they're, they're trying to wear us down, wear us down. But I think I'll just stand where I stood a four time. Hey, they might change their mind about it because they changed their mind don't mean I have to change my mind about it. And as long as God will give me breath in my lungs and the ability to stand up and have wits about me, I'm going to stand up and preach. It's still wrong in the sight of God. We don't need to change simply because of the commands of a bunch of wicked, ungodly politicians, friend. Let's just do what we did aforetime. And by the way, before you get... I don't want to be mad because I've got to say what I'm about to say. I want to do it with a good spirit. <laughs> And the Spirit's not too good right now, to be honest with you. But I want to do it. I want to have a good spirit about it. I, just because I'm against something don't mean I've got to hate everybody and hate everything. How many times have I told you that the problem with the independent Baptist movement is not our position, it's our disposition? Am I right? I mean, we hate everybody. And we hate everything. And we've got the most sour, stinky spirit and attitude about us. But I, I, want to stay, I want to take a stand, but I want to do it with a good spirit. Let me say what they said about Daniel. Look at verse 3. The Bible said this, that old Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. I'd like to be like Daniel. Just keep on doing, not change, but keep a good spirit about me while I'm doing it. Amen. Don't you change. Don't change because of the commands of the politicians. Don't change because of the customs of the population. And then can I say number three, let's don't change because of the criticism of the people. Criticism. These presidents were critical of Daniel because of his beliefs in the God of Israel. They knew his customs. They knew his manners. They knew his life. They knew he loved the Lord. They knew he wanted to do what was right. And if they were going to find something wrong with him, they were going to have to find it wrong with him in the law of his God. He lived a devoted life. 
And the only thing they could find wrong with him is in the fact that he loved the Lord too much. Wouldn't you like that to be said about it? Well, the only thing's wrong with that boy. He just loves the Lord too much. Amen. Boy, I tell you what, and they got together and they criticized Daniel for his devotion and his faithfulness to God. Can I just remind us all that if you are devoted to God and you are faithful to God, you're going to be criticized by people? I mean, let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if, if you stand for God and you just stand for what's right, people aren't always going to love you. That's why I encourage every preacher in this room, I encourage all of you preachers, get off that stinking Facebook. Why in the world do you want to get on there and read what everybody is saying about you bad? That don't even make sense to me. I mean, look, all it's going to do is hurt your feelings, and then you're going to start cowering down to it. So the best thing I did to do is get off that mess. Don't worry about what you, you know something, I'm not on it, and I'm not any more spiritual than anybody that is on it. But can I tell you something? I don't want to know what people are saying about me. That way, when I walk up to somebody in church, I can just smile and shake your hand and say, I love you, man. Because I don't know what Because if, if, if they've been saying stuff and I know it, I may want to smack them. And then the sheriff have to carry me off to jail, cuff me, spray me with that stuff, slap cups on me and carry me off to jail, or beat me with that stick. Look, man, I don't want to know. I done told my kids, get off that Facebook. If you get on that Facebook, you're going to see what people are saying about your daddy, and it's going to hurt your feelings and turn you against God, turn you against church and church people. Don't even get on that stuff. That way you don't know it, and thank God I don't know it. I can walk in here and love everybody because I don't know what you're saying about me. And by the way, furthermore, I don't even care. But if you preachers are on that old Facebook stuff, and you just, boy, you trace down everything that somebody says about you. First thing you're going to do is you're going to start backing down because you're a little sissy with lace on your drawers because you know about it now. You know about it, and you ain't got enough guts to stand up against it, so you found out about it when if you'd have never been on that garbage, you'd have never found out about it to start with. You're welcome, you welcome, and you're welcome. And everybody's welcome. Get off that mess. Why do you want to know what they're saying about you anyway? Who cares? Who are you pleasing, God or man? If I can get in the car and head up 52 tonight, knowing that I've done what God's done, listen, I love you. I don't want to tick anybody off purposefully. I don't walk in here and say, man, I can't wait to see how many I can make mad today. I don't want to do that. I don't want to have that kind of spirit about me. But I know if I take a stand and do what's right, I know it's going to make some people mad once in a while. Say what you want to. I don't care. I'm not going to find out about it anyway. So I can say, I love you, man. Good to see you. And be truthful about it. You're welcome. Whatever. The criticism of the people. I'm telling you something. There's two things that no preacher deserves. Number one's praise, and number two's criticism. Because if it's praise, hey, God did it. Let's praise Him. And if it's criticism, let's just remember the preacher's just a man like everybody else, and sometimes he may make dumb decisions. Here's what Jesus said about it. Can I show it to you? Here's what he said about, Blessed are you when men shall revile you on Facebook and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake on Facebook. He went on to say this. He said, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven because you're not on Facebook, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you because they didn't have Facebook. 
criticism of the people. Can I tell you the whole reason that God spared Daniel in the midst of the den of lions? Can I tell you the whole reason? Because he didn't change. The only, the only scientific reason that I can give you that Daniel wasn't gnawed and torn to shred by the, the angry claws of, the, of those agitated lions, the only reason I can tell you he survived that is because he didn't change. And look, let's don't change. Let's just stay where we're at. Let's just do what we've done a time. Why don't, let, let me give you the translation. Let me tell you what. Let's just do what we've done for the last 100 years. It's worked. It'll still work. Let's don't change. Because here's what the Bible said. The Bible said this, notwithstanding, everybody else may turn on you, but notwithstanding, the Lord will stand by you. And he'll strengthen you. I got to thinking, you know what the whole Bible is? The whole Bible... It, 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 God has written down in the Bible people who just didn't change and God blessed their lives. That's the whole story of, that, of the whole reason that Daniel wasn't destroyed was because he didn't change. Let me tell you the reason, the whole reason those three boys didn't burn up in that fire. I'll tell you why. They wouldn't change. They wouldn't give in to the pressure and the persuasion of the culture that they were living in. They didn't change. So I'm just saying this, man. Let's just don't change. Let's just stay where we've stood. Amen. I remember years ago, years ago, one of the last messages, I don't even know if you were, many of you remember this or not, one of the last messages Brother Gross ever preached. And, one, and, and, he, and he was mine. His mind was not as sharp as it used to be, so when he stood up, he didn't tell us where to turn in our Bible. But he preached his message to us that night. And I just wrote it down. I don't even remember. I've got it written in an old Bible in there. And he was just preaching about, you know, not changing, whatever. But here's his three points was, I want to stand where I've stood. I want to say what I've said. And I want to share what I've shared. And can I tell you something? When it comes time for me to walk out of here for my last time and I head out that door, can I tell you something? I want to stand where I've stood. I want to say what I've said. And I want to share what I've shared. I don't want to change. 57 years old, I'm too old now to change anyway. Let's don't change. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible tonight.